What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. We're back to Bonjourno. Oh, Bonjourno yeah, again indeed. this week. No more Aloha. No, no more. That was just the once. Just the one time. Yeah, just the Will once. it come back, though? Maybe. Sure. We'll see. All right. I think it's, it feels like a once a year kind okay. of thing. Okay. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Got it. Got to be in the mood for it. I, I don't think that it actually matches, but I feel like that's a Hollow Knight kind of thing. Ah. Yeah. So only whenever you talk about Hollow Knight, yeah, that's exactly. when you're the Aloha. Yeah. So no... Everyone, whenever she says aloha, it's going to be some Hall Knight content exactly. coming at you. Yeah, because you know I have to do that for the rest of forever. <laughs> I really need I really need Silk Song to come out so that I can bring it back out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you're all having a great morning here while we talk about video games on Team Chat Podcast, a weekly show where we talk about video games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web and watch a video version on YouTube. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join our Discord server. Links for all that are in the description below. And finally, if you would like to support the show and help make it bigger and better, Head over to patreon.com where slash team chat podcast where you can check out our reward tiers and support the show for as little as a dollar a month. If you're not able to become a patron, you can still support the show by leaving a review on Apple and Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, basically, and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Today, we are wrapping up our, our series on platforms. My mic sounds weird for some reason this morning. All right, Is here it? we go. There we go. It sounds better now. Okay. I think it was just talking into it at a weird angle. But uh, <laughs> so we are wrapping, going to be wrapping up our series of platforms today. And with the final game in the series, which I'm just going to go ahead and say, because you've already already seen it probably from the title of the episode, you know, it's the good old classic Donkey Kong Country. It's literally the classic The of classic platformers. platformers. One of really my earliest platforming memories. One of everybody's oh, yeah. earliest platforming memories. Well, unless they were born, born after. Whatever. That's pre, neither here yeah, nor yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. The point if is... If you were born like late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> it was right The point in is, wheelhouse. thematically, what better way to close us out of this series than going back to literally the roots yeah. of Donkey Kong? Of platformers in general pretty much but before we do that we're gonna get some news because we do have a couple big news stories that actually all yeah. like dropped today yeah uh, so <laughs> but we're gonna get a couple of releases and everything then we'll jump into those news stories in our moment with mogan all right like i said last time august uh at least early august is a desert wasteland of games oh, like no. nothing is coming out right now uh, so out now and coming soon madden nfl 20 came out for playstation 4 xbox one and pc earlier I, I just, last i just week. love that like where you say that as a desert, but then like one of the biggest games for a lot of people. It's, <laughs> it's just not for us. So it's like, there's nothing coming out. This is a shit list. <laughs> it is. And I don't feel bad about that. Boo to Madden. No, no. I'm, right, I'm right there. I don't play that at all. Well, I guess good for Madden in that, in that um, they have very little competition right now. That's true. It's probably good good marketing just strategy. Madden, Madden, Madden. Uh, anyways, uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall uh, coming out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC today, August 6th. And then coming out just a couple of days from now, next Barista for PC only August 8th. Nice. I know that's the one that I'm I d- curious about. I'm that just one. so curious. I'm I just want to know what it is. Uh, and that's actually all that's coming out in the immediate future. Very nice. So we're recording on August 1st, and this is a very, and it's actually worked out well that we were, we were that we recorded today because two big things kind of happened today. The biggest of which that we'll start off with is that this morning, a uh, massive streamer and Fortnite player, twi- uh, Twitch, Ninja said that he was leaving Twitch to play and stream exclusively on Microsoft's platform, Mixer. That's a real, 
I, I, Jared and I were joking about this, not even joking, just saying that before the show started, we were like, I've never even Googled Mixer. Oh, yeah. Or like typed it into my search bar. Literally never. Like at E3 and everything, they're always like, and you can catch the action of this game on Mixer. I'm like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but so, so it's a very interesting thing for a couple things. A, that Mixer was able to pull Ninja away from Twitch, where he's been for since the beginning of his, of his streaming career, really. And because he's one of the, if not the most well-known Twitch streamer there is. And so it's going to be very interesting to see the fallout of this. Like, who will then like, become and take his place? Will his subscribers on Twitch follow him over to Mixer? It's, will, you know, is Mixer going to be elevated in this? It's a very interesting thing. And it's yeah. going to potentially pull other streamers to Mixer as well. Probably. But the other thing about it, too, is that it seems like a very... It's another one of those power moves that Microsoft's been putting out lately, I feel like, with, you know, again, what we've referenced before with laying this foundation for an, like an all-encompassing entertainment system focused around gaming with their Games Pass for now Xbox and PC, the different, the three different levels of like console that you can get and all these other, and there was one other thing I feel like that I'm forgetting. Oh, all the acquisition of the big studios like Ninja Theory that happened, that they announced at last year's E3. So... There's, because Do you think Ninja maybe accidentally got acquired in that same deal, and they just didn't realize it? And then they were like, "Yo, bro!" Because he turns so out stealthy, he just snuck in there. Cause <laughs> yeah, well, because yeah, because they're both ninjas, so they were like, "Hey, sorry, oh, we, Ninja uh, yeah, we also got, okay, you I didn't get my it. joke." I got it now. <laughs> Hopefully other people got it. The point is, it's a great joke. Yeah. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what the ramifications of this all are. And so I was I was actually, when the news broke, I just so happened to be watching Dr. Lupo's stream. And they were all talking about it. And obviously, a big question that people had is because, like, uh, is are you guys going to still be able to play with Ninja? And they're like, yeah. Like, oh, we're, we're yeah. still going to be able to. It's not like he's cut off from playing with us and all this stuff. He's just doing his streaming through Mixer. But it is still going to be interesting, though, mm-hmm. to see... Like, what's this? I mean, did he give any, did Ninja himself give any indication of why he decided to make the switch? Uh, I mean, in his, like, in this video he put out and some other things he said, he said he's, like, going back to his roots and, like, kind of, like, you know, basically it's, like, it's kind of seemed like a fresh start kind of thing where it's, like, he's going to the smaller platform, which is what Twitch was, which is kind of like what Twitch was way back when, before it was so big. And so, like, it's kind of like he's just moving himself there. I'm also sure it was a tremendously huge paycheck. So... Yeah, I wonder what... I mean, is that how it works? Do they, like, pay him to be on their platform? Oh, I mean, well, I mean, it's 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 not necessarily them. It's, I'm sure they had to pay him to be the to say that he's only going to stream on Mixer. Like that's a big thing. Like to exclu- ex- that exclusivity mm-hmm. is a very big thing that they had to obviously nail down with him. But I think it's also just to try to attract bigger streamers because if a huge chunk of Ninja's audience is is leaving and like, well, I just did stuff on Twitch because I liked Ninja. Well, Ninja's over here now, so I'm not going to subscribe to all these other people over here. It's going to start, it's going to just cause a shift, I think. And so I think it's a very smart move on Mixer's part because like you said, we never watched it. And I don't I mean, know at if least I still now, this will. is the most we've if... ever said the word mixer before right, right. when we're not talking about our literal physical audio mixer. Exactly. <laughs> so it's going to be, I'm pretty excited to see how this is all going to pan out. I think it's going to be a pretty big deal. Um, although I did see, and I hope it's still like recently in my feed, I should have saved it like a dumb, dumb. While you're looking for that, I will say that no, uh, there's literally nothing that can happen right now in terms of Twitch mixer. doesn't matter. That will make me want to watch Ninja stream. <laughs> no offense. He's just not the kind of streamer that uh, I look for. Fortnite is not your game. That's not it's what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm going to have to like 
find this and like add this in later as a little addendum. But basically, it was somebody on Twitter, and I'm scrolling through my feed trying to see if I can find it. You fool. I know. I should have saved it. I'm a dum-dum. But basically, they're saying they're taking his comment of going back to his roots because before he got into Fortnite, Ninja was a huge Halo streamer. So they're thinking it's a possible... Uh, like going to be a tie in for when Halo Infinite comes out oh. that they like have some kind of thing where he's going to, you know, he might be returning to more Halo than Fortnite, you know, um, I, but I will try, I will find this and I will add in a note to give credit to the person who actually thought of this, but I am, I can't, I can't find it. Is it, it like now. a joke? Is it a meme? No, it's not a meme. It's just, oh. I'm just like, I just I seen it as before I was starting. No, somebody on Twitter and I just oh. wanted to like give them credit for oh, gotcha. saying it. Oh, that that was their theory. Their theory. I see. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So I I'll find it. that and I'll update it and all that other stuff. So I was actually able to track down the original tweet that I saw and it's from Kyle Stevenson on Twitter at KStevenson93. And he says, okay, hear me out. At Ninja says he's going back to his roots. He is now signed on to Mixer exclusively leading up to a new Xbox and a new Halo launch. His roots run deep with competitive Halo, thinking you will see a lot of Ninja and Halo in the near future. So, again, that was from KStevenson93 on Twitter. The other big news is that today, also on August 1st, Call of Duty or, revealed the gameplay for their multiplayer. And I gotta say, it looks Now, which of the Call of Duty's Modern Warfare's is this? So this is Modern Warfare, and it's basically a it's a reboot of modern of the first Modern Warfare that came out in two thousand seven eight, and so. Um, but basically, so it's not like just it's not a remake where in the terms of they're they're not like just taking the same thing, updating the graphics and saying, here you go, which they already did because they released Modern Warfare Remastered a few years ago. But this is a re um, it's the Tomb Raider notes. effect. It's, it's basically that it's like they're like they're keeping the same character of like Captain Price. He's got, he was in the old one. He's going to be in this one as well. But it's just basically a big uh, reimagining and what they called it in this in the live stream a love letter to Call of Duty, where it's mm-hmm. like it takes all these things of the older things, incorporates some new things into just to repackage it all into a new thing that's like a new a new fresh uh, start. It's Infinity Ward again, who is who did the original one, and so it just has it looks the gameplay of it just looks really fun. And I know like I was talking with a buddy of mine, and we we're like, okay, we got burned though on Call of Duty Black Ops Four. Like that game, everything it felt like once you did the initial thing, you bought the game, but then it's just like. There were DLC packs you had to buy. Then, not to mention in the battle royale mode, there were just microtransaction after microtransaction, and it was just very difficult to feel like you really. Who put out Black Ops Four? Treyarch. Who's the, who's the publisher though? Activision. It's because mm-hmm. Call of Duty games cycle between three studios: okay. Sledgehammer, uh, Treyarch, and Infinity Ward. Gotcha. And so it's Infinity Ward's turn again. And that's why they're rolling back to to Modern Warfare. But it just had it. You can go look it all up on Twitch. They had this huge event where they had tons of the big, massive streamers out there, like Courage JD, a Shroud, and some and some other big names. And they just were all playing in this massive thing to show off all the different modes and everything. And it was really cool to see all this stuff. Um, and they talked about like how they're getting away from how the maps in like Black Ops Four and some other recent Call of Duty games were felt more like arena maps, like almost set up more for like an esports kind of thing. Whereas this one's, they're going more to like realistic environment feels of like the older modern warfare games, different things like that. Uh, they revealed that there's going to be night vision gameplay where it's not just like you put on night vision and everything's the same. No, it's like you removes your HUD completely. You don't have crosshairs. Huh. You don't even get like kill feed. 
Okay, that's pretty cool. And it's and it's the kind of thing where like you, if you aim down your sights, it turn, activates an infrared laser. Well, everybody else wearing night vision goggles can see that laser. Oh. So it creates a totally different like style of play. Which I wish they really would do cool. that kind of mode, but in like a just for funsies flashlight tag mode where you just have to like get each other like laser tag, yeah, basically. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That would be cool. Well, who, who's in charge of this one? Uh, Infinity Ward. Infinity Ward. I have ideas. <laughs> get in touch. So uh, they, so they revealed that, which they also then revealed like their collector's edition. They're calling it the dark edition, but it comes with a fully, a working set of night vision goggles. That's pretty great. <laughs> How much is that I mean, one? I haven't looked, but I'm sure it's got to be like $200 plus. I mean, those can't be cheap. Yeah, what um, if they actually are? What if they're like really cheap? And you and can get them at Walmart for like 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really crazy. Uh, but yeah, so it seems like a couple different things that were different from old Call of Duty's. You can modify your custom classes in game. Like you don't have to wait till the end of the match to go then go into the menus and everything. They really, they revealed this new gunsmith feature that they're taking away as much of like overall class customization in ter- in favor of deep weapon customization. Like saying like some weapons can have between 30 to 60 attachments that you unlock throughout gameplay that you then can use and, and change and really just mm. get it. Not like you can have all 30 to 60 on the gun at one time, but it gives you that many to choose from. So you can a, really build out your kit. I mean, even that to me, I'm like too many choices. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure for the big like weapons buff, that's mm-hmm. probably amazing. Right, but like when I hear that, I'm like, boo. <laughs> I, I mean, for, and for me too. Like, I never really dug that deep. I would, I mostly just like, I like this gun. I'm going to use it. So, but I mean, still, I'm, I'm curious enough to dig around. Whichever in it and one see is what a shotgun, on. that's the one I want. <laughs> just point and shoot. I'm a very derivative player. <laughs> But the one big thing, though, that I'm very – and there were a ton of different other little features and things like that to focus on. But the one last one that I wanted to leave it with is that they said there's going to be no season – or actually two more things. No season pass. DLC, maps, all that stuff they say are going to be free. Oh. Now, will that translate over into no microtransactions? Will microtransactions only be for uh, – Cosmetics. Thank you. Cosmetics. Uh, That's kind of yet to be seen as well. But that is nice, though. And what they talked about in the live stream, the developer said, is that they really felt like with all the DLC and all these different things, because you'd start running into, well, this player has it, this one doesn't. And so it sort of started sectioning off the Call of Duty player base. And so now they're doing this where like everybody just has the same thing. Everybody plays on the I same thing. I think that's uh, for the kind of online game that Call of Duty typically is, you know, it's not really a story driven single player game. Right. Multiplayer is where Call of Duty lives. That's a smart move. Yes, I agree. And following up on that, it's going to be cross platform. <gasps> cross platform between what? Consoles and PC. Like all consoles. X- Xbox, P- PS4, and PC can all play together. So and that's what they were doing. To that. That's what they were doing on the live stream. So That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised that you can do PC to Xbox because obviously that's both Microsoft. Right. But the fact that Sony actually like got in on that, that's surprising to me. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, but like also there's the early beta coming in early September, I think September 12th, but PS4 gets it a week early. Mm. So oh, there might be some like give and take. Shafty. <laughs> so we'll see. But still, it's, a, it's pretty interesting stuff to see. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I still have my reservations. But from what they've shown, the multiplayer side of it looks really good. So I'm excited for that. But I think it's time to move on to the main topic of the day, which is, like I said, Donkey Kong Country, the final installment in this edition of our series on platformers. I know we'll come back when we're not like Xing off platformers for forever. 
just now for when we've been focusing on them. I should have written down like all the episodes that we had so we could like say, hey, if you enjoyed this one, go back and listen to it. But yeah, I'll, be you able to, I'll do that on social Thanks media. Thanks for Don't nothing, worry. Jared. I'll, you know, you know <laughs> great ideas can't just come at a moment. <laughs> and the moment hit right now. So well, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a visit from future Jared. There we go. That's Everybody it. loves that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Donkey Kong Country came out in 1994 for developed by Rare. And published by Nintendo for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, or the SNES. The SNES. The SNES. And if you say SNES, you are dumb. <laughs> it's the SNES. I've had to train myself to say SNES, so I would re- no longer receive heckles from you. Yeah, good, because <laughs> I would still heckle you. <laughs> it was, di- it was uh, directed by Tim and Chris Stamper, the founders of Rare. And uh, the music, because the music of Donkey Kong Country is so iconic. It's amazing. It was composed by the none other than... David Wise with Evelyn Fisher and Robin Beanland. You might know David Wise from his most popular game of all time, Snake Pass. That we talked about in another ins- in our lo- other installment of the platformer series. Yeah, we had some accidental crossover there, and it's all for the better. Yeah, absolutely. But not Donkey Kong Country and why I wanted to talk about this one as my as the last installment for this one is just because it's the one that holds the most. Probably the most nostalgia for me than maybe the probably the one that would come closest would be like Civilization. The series, or which I've gotten back into, by the way, and it's got its hooks in deep, and um, and maybe like yeah, I'd say that's probably it. Like of ones that I just remember playing, or Dark Forces, I guess Star Wars Dark Forces. But still, this one is like the very first one of the first platformers I remember playing. It's the one I remember playing the most. Like I by far played Donkey Kong Country way more than I played Mario. Oh yeah, uh, and so it's just one that oh, it holds a special place in my heart, and I wanted to talk about it. And that's fair enough. I think a lot of gamers that grew up kind of in the same era would absolutely agree. Yeah, uh, Donkey Kong Country is one of those games that people still obsess over. People like to collect the vintage cartridges. And it's something that still has iterations coming out even now with Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, for mm-hmm. example. Which yep. is also kind <laughs> of... Game. It really has gotten its claws in as like a, uh, a modern classic mm-hmm. uh, Tropical Freeze has. So clearly Donkey Kong is still going strong and not forgotten. Oh yeah. And even too, having played Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze re- recently, and then I actually did buy, found it on eBay, the original Donkey Kong Country for, uh, S- for SNES. And, and so playing the two again... And, and like seeing Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, I was like, oh my god! Like it's it's flashy, like it's prettier. You know, it's got upgraded graphics, obviously, but like and new, different enemies and some different things with how they handle bosses and other stuff like that. Just you know, obviously, probably due to more technological advancement in the in video game development. But still, it's like, damn, it's the same game. You know, they basically but like, just in, kept... not in, in spirit, not yeah. like you're so like, oh, I've done this before. No, they they kept the core of right. what really made Donkey Kong Country, and they just updated it for modern times and made it bigger and better. Which, in a, in an age, I feel like to take for example, Call of Duty. Call of Duty, like it's yearly, it comes out and it changes, and they do all these different things. And there have been really bad ones, and there have been good ones. There have been really good ones, and there have been just average ones. But it's, it, but still, you know, it's really interesting though with Donkey Kong, just how much the spirit of the game has stayed consistent across them all, even for when they're whether you're playing it in an arcade on an arcade cabinet on a console, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, you know, or Switch now with the with Tropical Freeze. It's just a, a outstandingly well made series of games. It's also really impressive. 
impressive when you consider that Donkey Kong as a franchise has not been made by the same people every single time. Yeah. Nintendo has always been the publisher, but it's been like the actual developers behind the scenes. It's been a variety mm-hmm. of people with Rare just happening to be uh, behind uh, Donkey Kong Country, which is the one that you're going to talk about. But were they behind Tropical Freeze? You know what? I'm not totally sure, but I don't believe they I don't were. think so. Would you mind checking yeah, that? Yeah, I'll check on that. Um, and so, but really, before we jump into the talking about the game itself, we wanted to go a little bit into the history of it. And so, obviously, everyone knows the original Donkey Kong, which is Donkey Kong was Mario's first foe. Like, yeah. And, and that was even before the, and it's pretty interesting because, like, Donkey Kong is up there and he's on top of the tower, like, this construction site. You had to go up and save the princess, which later became Peach. But, like, Mario, the character of Mario, I don't even think in that game he was known as Mario. He was just the plumber or yeah. the, you know, the, or something like that. And so it's very interesting then that that one game spawned these two different, very massive and very successful franchises for, uh, for Nintendo. And the original Donkey Kong was made by Miyamoto. Yeah. Which, it was actually so uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was brand new mm-hmm. at Nintendo at that time. Donkey Kong was the first video game he ever even attempted to make. Which is incredible. And like he did it. Uh, I mean, he, he's a master of the craft, uh, he, so that's not a surprise. He wasn't really the developer. He was more like the person that said, okay, this is my man. vision. This is what I want. But it was his first ever game. Yeah. And it's like, wow, we did knock it out of the park Seriously. on try number one. Quick aside, uh, Tropical Freeze was developed by Retro Studios. That's it. Okay. Famed for the Metroid series. Oh. Yeah. So even then, uh, rare to retro, and yet there's still what you would say is like a very strong line of keeping that core mm-hmm. i think that in and of itself is really impressive oh yeah absolutely no doubt and so but the big thing though and what and after you know they came out the original donkey kong there were a few more arcade versions of it that came out but then in the early 90s is when the console war which actually you should really i would really recommend it's a do I have it? Ooh, I it's a long read Way to have it backwards on camera. I know. I was showing how thick it was. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but it's Console Wars by Blake J. Harris uh, is all about literally Sega and Nintendo going head-to-head in the in the 80s and early 90s. And so they have a whole chapter that's kind of devoted to the stuff about Donkey Kong because at this point is when Sega was really kind of full steam ahead with the Sonic one. Like Sonic 2 had come out in 1992. And so they were rolling strong with that. And Nintendo, frankly, was was faltering and was kind of rolling through some rough times. And so in the book, in this book, it talks about how six weeks before the CES show of 1994, the executives of Nintendo saw Donkey Kong country, like for the first time in its build. And they were like, wait, what's this going on? And they were like, Oh, it's, it's going on the super Nintendo. And they're like, Excuse me, what now? Because it looked so much better than literally anything else that had come out at this point. Because what they did is they used this new technology where they made pre-rendered 3D sprites, which I had to look up what sprites are because I'm you not, did? I'm not oh my super God. smart on these things, okay? And so wow. I don't know all the ins and outs and everything. Have you never been on Gaia Online? No, I have not. That reference is going to really like <laughs> date my internet past. 
But so anyway, so for those who don't know what sprites are, they are basically the images that comprise the character models. They're basically pixel sprites. Most people would know sprites as being like pixelated miniature images of what are usually in-game or whatever else, a larger character that actually has real features. Right. So they made these pre-rendered 3D models that then they compressed down into the 2D that you see the game in, but still it allowed for even a deeper, like in the backgrounds of everything, like everything looks so much deeper farther back and like there's a way more depth to it than what you even see in like Super Mario or anything like that. They basically found an amazing way to fake 3D graphics. Yeah. Because when you actually play the game, it's not 3D. No, it's still But 2D. they faked it so well that it looked that way to gamers at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was mind-blowing. Right. I mean, it, sure, it looks dated now to us, but at the time it was revolutionary. And so it talks about in, in Console Wars how... That like blew the executives away. They were just like, wait, this is crazy. Why are we trying to go off of all these other games? This should be our front runner. Granted, remember, this was six weeks before the show floor. They were going to be showing this off. And they completely scrapped all that other stuff. Totally centered their show around Donkey Kong. And pretty much after that point, it was kind of game over in terms of who was going to be the dominant console power powerhouse for the 90s which is really interesting because the lead-up to this was like you said that nintendo was in trouble because the general consensus in the public perception was that sega's consoles were so much more advanced in their hardware Mm -hmm. and their technical specs that nintendo couldn't compete so nintendo actually did an amazing workaround of just faking it they didn't change the hardware of the snes they just changed the way that they made games to work in the snes and it turned out to be an amazing was really kind of an amazing bluff. Oh, yeah. Is that they were like, yeah, it's definitely 3D. And everybody was like, oh, my God, they're right. It totally is. And Miyamoto was like, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. So, so anyway, so that's kind of like the big background and history of it. And so it kind of, it really just is what propelled Nintendo forward into the greatness of it, of it is, of what it is today. And then also, you know, help, not, I mean, not discounting the contributions of Mario and everything, but it helped it get over its slump, basically. And so... Donkey Kong 64, like what Mogan was saying, kind of also set the the standard for what platformers would become. I actually have a really nice quote about this, if you don't Go mind. Ahead. So this comes from an article that I think I pulled from Gama Sutra, The Secret History of Donkey Kong. Uh, it really closes out the article with... Um, where are my eyes going here? Donkey Kong and its sequel had had effectively given birth to a new genre of side-view jumping games with countless imitators, some clever and some blatant, appearing in America, Japan, and Europe in arcades, on consoles, and on home computers. By 1983, folks in the West started calling these, air quotes, platform games, which really just highlights that Donkey Kong is the original. I mean, it really... You could probably parse it down even further than but in terms of the public mindset Mm -hmm. donkey kong was really the starting point of platform games as we now know them in the modern right because i mean even mario games after after that started changing to look more like more like donkey kong and stuff like that so it really is a great base and so that's why again why we thought this would be a great game to come around to circle back around to to kind of be the last one that we talked about i mean you might think that we would have started with it You could have said that. You could have made that. But but also for me, though, I knew I wanted to have a chance to touch to play the game again. Like because I had actually beaten the game. I've beaten the game before several years ago. Many years ago. Many years ago. And I actually, when I beat it, didn't beat it on the SNES. Somehow, a a buddy that I met a long time ago, he uh, gave me an emulator basically where I could play it in a ton of other SNES games on on my computer, and that's where I play. Was that a dolphin? 
I don't think so. No. It, it was. I don't remember what it was now. That was Whatever. a lot. It might have been. I don't remember. Yeah. But it, and so that's how I beat it. So I was like, okay, I need to play this again. I need to get my hands on the original, like how it's supposed to be before I talk about this again. And that's why I went out and found it because, I, like I've said before, I didn't have a console. I didn't personally own a, a Super Nintendo. Uh, and everything. So I had to always just play it at friend's house. And it was my cousin who actually had it and where I played it the most. And so it was, it's, I have a really good knowledge of like the first four, three, four worlds. And it's the ones after that, that I'm like, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> and really even then it's like up to mine, you know, the, the minecart uh, carnage level where you're the first one where you're in the minecarts going through that. That was usually pretty much where it would stop when I would play it growing up. Cause I'm like, it's too hard. I don't know. <laughs> and so, but it's just, it felt so great picking it up again, though, and just because it's it's one of those things and a testament to how good it is because as soon as I started playing the game again, it all comes back. It's amazing how, like, your muscle memory kicks back in and you're like, ah, yes, the smell of yeah. SNES games. I remembered where secrets, secrets were. Yeah, I right? remembered where, like, uh, some sp- like how to, like, jump to, like, hit these certain amount of enemies in sequential or, you know, all without touching the ground. It was, and I just knew, like, oh, I better be ready. Somebody's going to come at me right at this point, and they'd be like, boom, there it is. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew about you. And then when I got into the later the later worlds and everything, I was like, oh, shit. I don't remember <laughs> I don't any of this. <laughs> and so it's it's just – it's also it's one of those two that it's a very hard game. Like let, let's make no mistake about that because they, they – even they really, really worked to make it one, again, where – Timing, as with other platforms, is very important in the game. When you jump, like knowing when to do like a, a run to do a jump, when to use Diddy or Donkey Kong because you can switch in between the characters as you're playing, and what situations there each one are going to be better in because like Donkey Kong, he's stronger, but he's also slower and can't jump as far. Diddy, he's weaker, like he can't take out some of the bigger enemies, but he can run real fast and he can jump real far. And honestly, I use him. 75% of the time because so, I love Diddy Kong. This actually blew my mind because I always thought that this was definitely not the case. Um, I did not know that Donkey Kong Jr. and Diddy Kong weren't like father and son. Oh, yeah. I, I just always assumed. I was like, yeah, those they're related. To find out that they are just like Biffles, like no, BFFs. He's, he's his nephew, I'm pretty sure. Is he? Is he? Act, are sure. they actually family related? I think they're all family related. Gosh, because like, I a, thought that they weren't. Okay, never mind. Then I don't know what's what. Because I thought that Diddy, <laughs> I thought that Diddy was just like DK's like bro, like his like his not his literal bro, but like his bro, you know? Yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. Apparently, I don't, I don't know about. what's what. So it shows me <laughs> the basic story. And this is kind of funny that I use this as an example when I was talking about. Uh, some other game recently where I just said like, oh, when I was talking about Ori in the Blind Forest, when we talked when we uh, yeah. when we were talking about that episode where I just said Ori connected me on a with a with on the story level way more than any other platforming game has because and then I even said in that episode I was like because Donkey Kong what are you doing you're just you're jumping across you're going through these stages you're bopping enemies and and having a good day collecting as many bananas and life balloons as you can because the basic story and really. It all boils down to is King K. Rule stole your, stole your banana hoard, and you got to get it back. And you travel across uh, the across Donkey Kong the Kong Isle to go to all the different areas and and track it all down. So that's the basic story. Not a whole lot to go off of there. Real quick, yeah, I was not wrong. Oh, I Diddy was wrong. Kong is Donkey Kong's sidekick, best friend, and is described. As his nephew wannabe, ah, so I get the nephew connection. Okay. So we're both but like they're half actually right. not related. So also, they're definitely not related to Dixie Kong because she is actually Diddy Kong's love interest. 
That was Candy Kong. No. Candy No, Dixie Kong is the he is the baby. He has a girlfriend named Dixie Kong. Wait. Diddy or Donkey? Diddy. Oh, okay. No, yes. Okay, so Di- okay. Dixie is Diddy's. <laughs> okay, got it, got it, got There it. we go. Yeah, because in Donkey Kong Country 2, it's Dixie and, and Diddy. Yes. Are the main characters of that one. Uh, but, so it's very, I mean, as far as like, you've all probably played this game, you know this game and, uh, and everything, so I don't. I haven't. Oh, you haven't really played nope. this one? Really? I've never played a Donkey Kong game, period. Wow, okay. Well, we need to change that <laughs> because this is. Right? It's so, it's. That's it, quite a tick against my Nintendo creds. I mean, you have so many be- bigger ticks on that. That's fine. It all evens out in the, in the, eventually, but it's just like, but still, so it's, you play through, this is the thing about it. There are 40 stages. 40? Yeah. That's actually, for Donkey Kong Country? Yeah. That's a big game for the time. Yeah. Each world, there are, uh, where did I put the worlds? I made notes, everybody. Actually, I wrote them out. So there's Congo Jungle. print, no print. I, pr- no. I don't need this print this big. But Congo Jungle, Monkey Mines, Vine Valley, Gorilla Glacier, which that level sucks. That I, I can sucks. see it on your giant uh, notes. Crim <laughs> Croc Industries, Ink, Chimp Caverns, and Gangplank Galleon, which is the boss level where you fight King K. Rule to get all the bananas. But... And in each, so in each one, there's like, so there's 33 actual stages and then seven boss stages throughout the whole thing. And you, so it's, you just go, it's the typical fair. There are enemies jumping at you and they come in all different shapes and sizes. Like there are, there are fish for the aquatic ones. There's even like ones in the later aquatic levels where they're like spinning octopus that go through the thing and chase you, uh, and all this other stuff. But the main ones are probably the more recognizable ones are the, are the, uh, like crocodile style guys and everything. And there's, and you know, I don't know all the names and all that stuff because there's actually a bunch of different enemies. But there's those. There's the beavers, and then uh, there's the armadillos, the wasps, which I hate the wasps above all else, or bees, I guess, potentially, because those are literally the hardest ones, and they're always, like, jumping around, flying, or not jumping around, but they're flying. They'll sometimes be, like, circling barrels and all this. But the biggest thing about Donkey Kong that I love about it is its variety in its in its level design where you'll have some like the first couple levels are really you're just standard fare. You're running, you're jumping, you're jumping across a couple gaps every now and then you can jump up into the trees in the background on top of them to find like more extra bananas and, and different things like this. And then of course there are also, like I said, the secrets and different things like that you can find in each level. Like, if you get if you collect bananas, which is like your coins in Mario in more in Mario, you get a hundred to get a life. Hmm. There are also uh balloons that look like donkey kong's head that are floating around they're red and if you get one of those that's an extra life you can also find the letters that spell kong throughout the level and that'll give you an extra life so there's all these different things and then there's even these creature statues because you have in in some levels you have uh animals who will help you out so like a rhinoceros a frog which i hate the frog because he jumps really high but he's super hard to tell where is the best place He's to jump. He's hard to control. He is. Like sometimes you'll be like, okay, I want to get just to the edge of this platform so I can jump real high and make it safe to this other one. But you misjudge it and like fall off the one that oh. you're on trying to jump off of. <laughs> and so he gets kind of confu- uh, annoying What's sometimes. the frog's name? I, mean, I, 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 I could recognize the rhino, but I don't Rambi know the is Rambi the rhino. On guard, the swordfish. On guard, that's really cute. Winky the frog. Winky. Squawks the parrot. Oh, I love that. And espresso the ostrich. Espresso? Mm-hmm. The ostrich. He can't attack. Is he, he ca- Italian? 
I don't know. Rambi the Rhino is the best one by far, my favorite, because he runs real fast. He can basically run through everything. It doesn't matter what kind of what uh, enemy it is, and he can even like run into walls and open secrets. Because that's how you will sometimes find a secret. You can pick up a barrel, throw it into like a the side of a platform, and it'll open up a new space for you to go into. I have seen him in Tropical Freeze. Oh, nice. So it's nice to know that he's like still alive and kicking out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still help, still willing to help out the Kongs on their journey to get those bananas. Uh, on guard, the swordfish. If you can find him in an aquatic level, God bless your soul because he makes it so much easier. Do you just like grab onto his fin or something? No, you actually like sit on top of him. Yeah. Really? In the water? Yeah. Well, I mean, the the Kongs have impressive lung capacity because they can swim across these things. They're not like Mario who needs to go to the surface every so often to get in fresh air bubbles. No. Although I will say though, in Tropical Freeze, in the water levels, you did actually have to get water bubbles, air bubbles, to refill your oxygen supplies. That's something they added in in later games. But no, you basically just sit on him and like... The rhino, he just he just rams through everything. You just sit on him, but on guard, you can sit on him. And then when you do your attack or butt a butt with him, he like goes boop boop and like zips forward really fast and just like pokes at the other fish. I'll just stab <laughs> him. Out of the way. That's yeah. really funny. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, the parrot just holds a lantern. Like there's actually like only a couple levels that you actually use the parrot because it holds a lantern so you can see. So obviously oh, they're you can't, in like the dark ghostly levels. Right. And if you gotcha. lose the parrot or, or for whatever reason and you can't see, that makes it way harder. So he's beneficial in that way. Uh, the ostrich, he can run real fast and glide, but he, and even some of the lower uh, enemies, like the little tiny crocodiles that look more like <laughs> chompers that kind of roll around the ground and they're at ground level. He just walks right over them, doesn't even kill them, doesn't do anything. He can't attack, but he just helps you out in, uh, in getting across and getting. And yeah, that's a pretty good impression of him right there. Hang on. What are you doing? What, what, there, we there we go. Yeah, that looks like a crocodile. If we had a bright light on shadow. Make it the most crocod. 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 People aren't going to be able to see them. Yeah, they're Sorry. not going to be able to see it. <laughs> And so all these different things. And so in throughout the levels, too, you can find statues of all your different animal companions. And if you collect three of them, it takes you to this other secret stage where you are that animal jumping around, collecting tons of Bonus as many, stage. many, many statues of themselves as you can. Oh and my if you God. collect hundreds, like I've been able to get like 275 of their statues at one point, and that gives you two lives and 75-something bananas. Everybody so, loves the bonus stages. Oh, yeah, they're they're always a blast. And they always have like a really fun, peppy music like... It's great. Love it. And so it's in all these different things. But then what I was talking about with the uh, variety in level design. And so you start off there with it with a very just like plain. It gives you the basics. Kind of lets you know what you're going to run into. But then in later levels... You'll have whole parts where you'll have to swing on ropes and have to time your jumps in between these ropes because obviously beneath you is a vast nothingness that you die if you fall into. <laughs> and uh, the glacier, gorilla glacier world, why does it suck? Because the whole why land is, is basically ice and you and slide yeah. all over the place. Not to mention in certain parts of it is there will be parts where there's like a blizzard where there's like lots of snow coming down and it's hard to see. And so when you're trying to slide around, plan your jumps and also avoid like buzzards that are flying at you, uh, the beavers that are coming at you, trying to knot your ankles, not you know, ankles. it's just like, there's a lot to take in late. And then of course, minecart uh, carnage level, which was up until this playthrough of it, the bane of my existence, because it was one of the hardest things where you'd be going it's a typical thing, standard. You're just roll, you and Diddy are sitting in this minecart, going through this mine. But of course, there are there are holes in the track, which if you go through, you're going to fall. But later on, you would have 
overturn mine carts like at the end or like just in the middle of it or right before a gap. So you'd have to plan your jump like at the very literal last second before you could jump and clear that mine cart, but still have enough airtime to make it over to the next part of the track. Then later on in that mission and that level, uh, enemies are coming at you at you on the track and you have to, and uh, going again, you're going fast and they just pop out of nowhere and you've got to be like, Oh God, I feel like you and jump over. Yeah. Gotcha. You got to play it enough times to where you can actually start being like, Oh, okay. Guy's going to come here. Guy's going to come here. Blah, 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 blah. But I will say tweeted about it. Cause I was very damn proud and wish I had in some way recorded this, but I actually in this playthrough was the first time I ever one shot that level. Oh, very nice. I was so happy. Congratulations. I literally just like yelled, cheered for myself, patted myself on the back. It was a great It was day. that childhood coming back to help oh, you. Absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely was. Cause I still, again, like it all came back to me. I remembered these parts of it and it was like, okay, I know it's going to get real hectic at the end. Cause there's literally a part at the end where within five seconds, you're having to make three jumps over overturned minecarts and gaps. Oh it my gets, gosh. It gets Heavens hairy. To Betsy. Yeah, it gets real bad. And so then they keep adding in other things. Like there will be some later on in the levels. There are these orangutans that roll barrels at you, like especially downhills, which they're in the glaciers. <laughs> and so you're trying to go up a hill, sliding on ice, and jump over barrels Ugh, to try brutal. to bop this uh, orangutan fool. Because if you go past him, ha! Jokes on you. You can't go past him because he turns around and throws them at you, even if you go past him. Wow. What yeah. a dick. I know, right? <laughs> but then one of the most iconic things, I think, in the level design of Donkey Kong that they use as, as a hazard slash way to get around are the barrels, where you, you jump into a barrel, and there are some that will be automatic, where you jump in and it automatically blasts you off in a certain direction, or there will be ones that are stationary, but they might rotate. Oh, I've seen these. So you have to yeah, pl- yeah. really plan it. And then that's where the, the, the hornets or the or the buzzards come in and everything too that make it really difficult because it's like in, in part also in the glacier parts there the bees are like circling the barrel you need to go to and you're spinning so you're you gotta line you gotta like line it up right. just right and sometimes there will even be a part like in the uh vine valley world there's one level there where you have to blast in barrels but You'll be blasted into a barrel that's an automatic one that has to line up. That's a stationary automatic one, but it has to line up with another barrel that's over here going up and down. So you have to plan, okay, so I'm in this barrel that's moving up and down, and I got to plan when to launch myself out of this one. So I'll then be turned around and launched from the automatic barrel into this other moving one and just hit it just right. And so when you're, you really just have to get, again, it's one of those things like if you didn't understand timing <laughs> like have a good grasp on how that works in video games after playing donkey Kong country you sure as hell do because you have to just it has to be precise see i feel like in games like that and this is something that i've always found with mario to also be the case as long as your reflexes are good enough i feel like the faster you go the less likely you are to accidentally mess yourself up by overthinking the timing right. which donkey kong very much rewards that yeah. like if you do get especially in the earlier levels like level one, you can, I can just run through that thing. Cause I know exactly what I need to do when I need to do it. And it's, and it, it feels really cool when of you get into that does. flow of doing it in everything. You're like, I'm a God. But again, I'm not as familiar with the later levels. So when I was getting to those, I was just like, Oh my God, what do I do here? Okay. I need to think about this. What is this one? I also remembered that really messed you up is this one where it's basically there, all the barrels that you had hit, they were stop and go. But oh. you, if they were on stop, uh, go these like, 
I think they call them like rock crocs or something like that, would be running around like super fast. There's no way you could get by them. So you have to like jump, hit the barrel so it turns to stop, and they'll all like tr- curl up into a ball. Oh, do they go to sleep? I guess. Oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> and then you have to run past them. But in that level, there's times where there's a plat. You have to run across a huge and jump across a huge gap, landing on two tiny platforms that each have a rock croc on them. Oh, and they're big enough for. Just the rock crop. Oh, no. So you have to time it just right where you hit that barrel to stop them, and then you're doing your jumps. You have to be running fast to get across that to be yeah, able to you, time you it need just right. Exactly, where you're not going to uh, get hit by one of those. Through all this, too, is how Diddy and Donkey Kong actually, Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong actually interact with each other, which is re- like I mentioned before, they, you can switch off with them, which is really cool. You hit the button to do it, and, they, and they'll like high five each other. <laughs> like with both their hands, Ta- like, literally tag in, tag exactly. out. Exactly. And so, and that's one of the other things that I really love about it. I'll, I'll save it. I'm, sa- I'm getting so excited i gotta save it keep it to what i was talking about but the big thing is so you can interchange in between them and if the main one that you're using gets hurt by an enemy so you're using donkey kong he gets hit by one of the crocs or something he'll run off but you then automatically transitions to diddy you have like a brief second of invincibility is to collect yourself but then you're automatically like that and then you have to find (laughs) these these barrels labeled dk and once you get close to them if you're missing the other member then they'll like be rocked back and forth and you can hear them inside be like, <laughs> like making noise, like come get me, come get me. And so it just makes for this, you kind of have like an extra chance kind of yeah, thing. It's basically your backup life. Right. Right. And so it, um, and so then it gives you, you can go through that, but then obviously after that, if you get damaged or fall, you lose, you lose life. And then, but though, if you are, even if you have both characters out and you miss a jump and fall into a gap, you, you're both you're dead. Just, you're dead. just dead. Right. You lose that thing. And so, the you traverse throughout these worlds and there and throughout there you'll come across three other different uh kongs in there uh funky kong cranky kong and candy kong uh funky kong operates funky's flights and that's how you can fast travel basically around <laughs> to the different stages and worlds and but you have to only you have to have obviously unlocked them before you can do that candy kong is your save points that's where you go and that's where you can save oh. your game because so, which means after each level, you does not guarantee you a save. You have to get you have far to enough. Go to Candy Kong. Yes. Oh. And so, and then Cranky Kong, you go to him and you talk to him. He'll give you tips, tricks. Be like, hey, you know, check out the top of the tree sometimes, youngie, young youngster. They'll uh, they'll show you. There's some be some special stuff up there for you to get. But so that was another reason. Aside from all the ice and the slipping and the sliding in Gorilla Glacier, why does it suck? Because you have to go through six levels before you can get to Candy Kong's save point. Wow, that does suck. Or to a funky, yeah, yeah. You get to the, you get to Candy first, and then you get to Funky Flights. Oh because my what gosh. it does, if you save the game, or say you get a game over, it'll go back to your last save point. But say you, it will, and if that is like say in this one, Vine Valley, you are in the last stage before the boss is where it starts you back. So you have to go beat the boss to Vine Valley. To then unlock Gorilla Glacier again, then you have to play through the five levels of Gorilla Glacier before Ugh. you get to Candy's save point. Ugh. And those first five levels of Gorilla Glacier are brutal. That sucks. <laughs> it's insane how hard those parts, some of those are because of how much the ice really throws everything you've done through a curve. But again, a testament to the game's greatness. But then it's so it's just a wonderful thing of jumping around. It's lighthearted. It's fun. Like I said, the music, which we're obviously featuring in our soundtrack spotlight, composed by David Wise, is just it's one of the greatest soundtracks because and I'm not well versed enough in music 
to be able to try to explain to you why it's so great. We would love to be able to. to. We just don't have the knowledge for it. Exactly. Building it as we go, but still just nowhere near to explain why it's so great. But it is great. And you should really check out, uh, what is it, 8-Bit Music Theory on YouTube. They do a great video breaking it down of why the ambient tracks of Donkey Kong, because like a there's a track called Aquatic Ambience, but it's one of the, it's like a beautiful, peaceful, melodic. But then also like the main theme is really is really great too. But then like the Gangplank Galleon, which is what we will be focusing on in our soundtrack spotlight, is just a really like it's got some really like hardcore like drums and everything. But it starts off sounding really like piratey and and everything. It is very piratey because you're, I mean it, like the name implies you're on a ship. So King K rules ship that way you're trying. And eventually, to... I think in later iterations of the game, doesn't King K rule actually come back as Captain K rule because he's like a pirate captain? I think in this one. He might actually still is he still be wearing. A, I think he wears the, oh, the pirate okay. hat. I think it's later on, like in Super Smash Brothers uh, Ultimate, right now, where he has the crown and stuff like that. I don't think that was added oh, until gotcha. later. So he's um, always been a pirate. Yeah, what a pirate bag. heart. He just wants to steal your bananas. Although I don't necessarily feel like bananas would be that high on a yeah. crocodile's. Well, actually, you know what? Diet. Hot theory. Ooh. Hot take. Pirates are very prone to getting scurvy. What prevents scurvy? Bananas. Vitamin C. What are bananas jam-packed with? Vitamin C. Vitamin C. (laughs) That's my official theory, theory. yeah. I like it, I like it. So, I don't know. Um, The the other things about it, like I said, just why, again, we've talked about why I like the game so much, but for those nostalgia factors, but I just love also, too, the character that it gives to the characters. Like before you have in say Mario, take Mario, for example, in the previous Mario games that you played, you just have Mario, you, you know, and you're running around, but like the most that you see expression of Mario that Mario portrays is when he dies and he's, and he just kind of makes that like horrified face and then falls. Yeah. But this one incorporates so many other little things. And it actually started giving life to these characters. Like say when you complete a level, you just walk out the exit door of the level, but then, or exit cave, cavern, it kind of looks like you're going to a cave. But then when you get back to the level selection and showing the overall world and everything, when it goes back to that, Diddy and Donkey Kong will do like a dance and it has like really happy, cheerful music. Say you get to one of the secrets and you don't wind up being able to uh, do the objective of that secret stage. And if you're Donkey Kong, he like slams his fists on the ground and is like, it was like, all oh, so disappointed. Diddy will actually like, th- throw his hat onto the ground and then stomp on it all mad and That's angry really and stuff. Funny. It's hilarious. But then also if Diddy is like the one who takes down a boss, he will throw his hat up in the air. And every time he throws it up in the air and catches it, he looks at you and like winks and like everything, just these little touches that up until this point, another thing that they introduced into platformers, I really don't know if there had been. And from my experience and everything, you didn't get that level of, no. A personality. Yeah, and one of the uh, things that the article that I mentioned, Secret History of Donkey Kong or whatever, one of the things that Miyamoto really introduced to video games as a whole, because so many of them had been based on action movies, like, oh, you're going to shoot the aliens, you're going to, I don't know, do racing, that kind of thing. Yeah, like Contra. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This was one of the first games that really attempted to, even in the most minimal ways, make kind of a narrative story, even if it was very basic for the time, that really starts to come into fruition in Donkey Kong Country. So mm-hmm. it absolutely is a trendsetter in more ways than one, oh, yeah. not just in terms of platforming, but in terms of 
opening the door to what video games could be, like getting away from the idea that these are basically just playable movies, basically. Right, right. And, and that's kind of where things started to take a turn, I think, for the significant better. And I don't oh, yeah. think anyone will fight me on that. No, no, definitely not. And so, I mean, really, honestly, that really pretty much wraps up what I had on this game. Like, again, if it's it's an older one, so a lot of people, not Mogan, have not played me. it. <laughs> I've played it before, so they're probably f- fairly familiar with it as well. So I don't feel like it's necessarily one that needs to be belabored too much. But it's just still, it sticks out. It, it really is just like a landmark game that came out in so many different ways. And as we played through these different platformer, platformers to talk about in this series, so like I did, oh crap, I can't remember them all, uh, Katana Zero, Ori in the Blind Forest, Donkey Kong Country, and I'm forgetting my first one. Gosh, what was the first one? Ratchet and Clank. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And so, and all this, and as so playing all through different eras, and I, well, honestly, the other three were all fairly newer games, but it's still so interesting to see the little, all the different ways that coming back to Donkey Kong now and kind of seeing like the influences. And it's been, a, so I feel like for me personally, doing this series and focusing on platformers has been very eye-opening to how much I actually do like them. As much as they may frustrate the ever-living uh, crap out of me sometimes with you know with different parts when you just hit that wall that you can't for the life you get through. It's still though having understanding all these different things and seeing all these different ways and especially how how the game like Donkey Kong especially one of the things I noticed in this playthrough how much it kind of holds your hand without letting you know that it's holding your hand. In that, it will use the bananas that you're supposed to collect as kind of like a signal of what's to come. Oh, yeah. Like they kind of visually lead you right. from one like, point say, to like the Right. Like say, I think like one of the first clusters of bananas that you come across on the first level, they're in an arc. So it's yeah. to show you, hey, if you jump at this point, you're going to hit – your jump will carry you to hit all of these bananas. And I mean, that's something that you see in a lot of Nintendo games, especially like Mario, oh, yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah. Mario, I, I know Yoshi, it's not they, they I, all follow I know it's not style. a thing that's specifically to Donkey Kong. This is the first time I like noticed yeah. it. And so going through and going there, I was like, oh, that's really cool. That it doesn't be like, here's a manual, and oh yeah, if you jump at this part, here's how you do this. It like, through the play of the game, it teaches you without having to show, show you a tutorial. Right. Which I think is a really cool way of how to be inter- to introduce this learning curve into the games and get the players even more engaged and showing them what is possible about it. And so I just... It's been a lot of fun talking about all these different platformers, and I know we'll we'll circle back around to this because I like I did I know we spaced it out pretty far, you know, because I think originally it was supposed to be one a month, and then we wound up doing a couple of different other topics, other things came up, and so it wound up we being also pushed just need a little bit time more. to play them exactly that too, um, and so you know I really enjoyed doing this more of a focused look at a specific genre. We should definitely do that in the future. So, dear listeners, viewers. If you have a genre of game that you would like us to take on, that would be awesome to hear your suggestions because we would love to do this in a more... I like this more focused approach sometimes to specific things. For the love of God, keep it broad. (laughs) We (laughs) we need a broad base to be able to choose from. (laughs) But still, like like, this would be really fun to do a a deep dive into a particular genre again rather than just the the random uh, picking of games and everything like that. Real-time strategy. Oh, my God. Life simulator games. I could go. First person shooters. Third person shooters. We might have to do real time strategy. Oh, God. That that would be my struggle bus. 
Where, when are we going to do the puzzle series, Jared? Uh, see, that would be my struggle bus. <laughs> yeah, that would be your struggle bus. <laughs> At least we have the, the common ground of Portal. Yeah, we, yeah that's true. We yeah. talked about, we, we both played Portal. I got through Portal <laughs> eventually. It took Did a while. you play Portal 2? I've not played Portal 2 yet. All right, we'll, we'll save that one yeah. for you. All right, all right. See, so we're even now. I need to play Portal 2, one of your favorite game, most favorite games of all time. And I need you to play Donkey Kong. Sure. One of my most favorite games of all time. I'll do it. So, there we go. Eventually. <laughs> So, like I said, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed this deep dive into platformers. But before we go, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which, as I said, we're focusing on music from Donkey Kong Country, composed by David Wise, Evelyn Fisher, and Robin Beanland. And the song we are going to feature is... I forgot it now. Gangplank Galleon. Yes, thank you. I said it a million <laughs> times. Gangplank Galleon. Uh, because, yeah, the the piratey themes and the intense... Uh, beat of and that it's song the final boss fantastic. music yeah, yeah it's yeah. the final boss it's, it's a great one to, it's a great one to end on because that's where the game ends so stick around after the close to listen to that but until next time everybody i am one of your hosts jared wilson joined by rachel mogan adios we'll see you all next time stick around for the song